We meet today in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 to verse 18. The church is a soldier, and we are looking at the protection of the soldier. No matter who we are or what we do for a living, all of us are bound to face struggles in life. Financial pressures, job loss, personality conflicts, time demands, injury, illnesses, emotional pain, death. As Job's friend Eliphaz really noted, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Job 5 verse 7 When faced with setbacks like these, people often tend to blame God for their circumstances or other people or even themselves. However, scripture urges us to consider another more sinister source of troubles, what Paul called the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Our struggle is not against God or other people, but against spiritual hosts of wickedness. That is what Ephesians 6 verse 11 to 12 talked about. Certainly, there is a place for human responsibility. But Paul is telling us that ultimately, people are not our enemy. Seen and certain are. If we intend to stand up to the onslaught of these powerful adversaries, we must fight them on their own turf. The spiritual, with weapons appropriate to the conflict. And that's what Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 to verse 18 talk about. God has provided armor for our protection. That armor is made up entirely of spiritual weapons, truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the word of God, and prayer. By learning to wear and to wield these powerful armaments, we can resist the carefully laid plans of the devil. And when he fights, and when the fight is over, still be standing. We will be standing. Ephesians 6 verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We have identified the enemy. Now Paul here begins to identify the arsenal which is available for defense. Nowhere is the believer urged to attack and advance in the scriptures. The key to this entire section is the phrase, to stand. The Bible speaks of believers as pilgrims. As pilgrims, we are to walk through the world. The Bible speaks of us as witnesses, and we are to go to the ends of the earth. As athletes, we are to run. We are to run with our eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12 verse 1 to verse 2 tells us, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. However, when the Bible speaks of us as fighters, it says we are to stand. And very truthfully, I would rather do a great deal of old-fashioned standing than fighting because I'm not capable of fighting. The battle is carried on wherever the word of God is preached and the gospel is given out. That's the battle line today. 
That is where the enemy is working. The enemy actually is not working on the skid row or parting it up on Saturday night. No, he would rather be out fighting where the spiritual battle is. And that is in the church. That is maybe on a Sunday morning when God's people have come to hear God's word. The command is to stand. It is the devil who will make the attack. Our command is having done all to stand. I think it is more scriptural for believers to sing, Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross, than singing, Onward Christian soldiers, marching as to war, because we are never to be on the offensive. Just to be able to stand in an evil day is a victory for the believer, my friend. There are a great number of wonderful pastors today fighting the battle. They are the men who are really on the battlefront, and we must pray for them. You must pray for your pastor. Do you pray for your pastor on Saturday night? Don't criticize him, but rather pray for him. He needs your prayers. The devil gives him enough opposition. You don't need to join the crowd that crucifies the man who is preaching the word of God. You ought to uphold his hands as Aaron and who upheld the hands of Moses on behalf of Israel. My heart goes out to pastors who are in need of congregations who will stand with them. I thank God for the congregation that I pastor. They pray for me. They support me. They care for me. They always intercede on my behalf. Ephesians 6 verse 14 and verse 15. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Stand therefore. This is the fourth time he gives this exhortation to the believer. Stand therefore. This is the only place that I find Paul laying it on the line and speaking like a surgeon. Earlier he said, I beseech you, but now he gives the command to stand. Not only are we to be in a standing position, but we are also to have on, we have, we are also to have on certain armor to protect ourselves. We are not to be outwitted by the wiles and the schemes of the devil. We are to be ready for his attacks. Having girded your waist with the truth, the phrase having girded actually refers to the way a soldier or a laborer in the first century world would draw his long, loose-fitted undergarment up between his knees and tuck it into his belt so that he might run or work unhindered by the garment, which might otherwise cause him to stumble or be hurt. You see, living an honest, transparent life according to the truth plays a similar role in the Christian's walk and service. Or suppose it is like out there in the war. If the ghetto was lost, you see, you lost everything. The garments would fly open and the pants would fall down. <laughs> we see this Routine sometimes in comedies and the people laugh to see a man trying to run off or fight while his trousers are dropping down. It looks funny in a comedy routine, but it is not funny in a battle, my friend. A great battle in the past, we are told, 
was won by a clever general who told his men to cut the belts of his enemy while they were sleeping. Then the next morning the troops were so busy holding up their trousers that they were not able to shoot their guns and therefore they lost the battle. We are told to be girded with the truth in the face of the enemy. Truth is that which holds everything together, my friend. What is truth? It is the word of God. We need people to give out the word of God and to give it out just as it is written. Today we have many people giving testimonies. We have football players, baseball players, movie stars, television stars, all giving testimonies. Many of them do not know any more Bible than does a goat grazing on a hillside. You see, my friend, we need people whose loins are girded about with truth. They need to know the word of God. I admit that some testimonies are so thrilling to hear, but they are coming from people who are standing there about to lose all their spiritual garments. They are not girded about with truth, which is the word of God. Every piece of this armor really speaks of Christ. We are in Christ in the heavenly places, and we should put on Christ down here in our earthly walk. Paul has already told us to put on Christ. He is the one who is the truth, and we should put on him in our lives. Any testimony that does not glorify Christ should not be given, my friend. There are too many testimonies that glorify individuals, that glorify what people used to do even when they did not know the Lord. Or such testimonies as, I was a great athlete, I was a great performer, and now I am turning over my wonderful talent to Jesus. You see, the implication here is, believe me, he is lucky to have me in his crowd. My friend, you are lucky if you have him. He didn't get very much when he got you. He didn't get very much when he got me either. There is nothing that we give to him. This is a day when the little fellow really doesn't have much to say. We get the impression that we need to be someone great in the eyes of the world. No, my friend. What we need is to have our loins girded about with the truth so that we can give a testimony that glorifies Christ. Christ is the truth. Truth alone can meet error. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, Christ is the righteousness of the believer. I do think, however, that it includes even the practical righteousness of the believer. Let's be clear that the filthy rags of self-righteousness are useless as a breastplate, but I do think that underneath there should be a heart and a conscience that is right with God, right with God. Only the righteousness of Christ can enable the believer to stand before men and before God, but the heart that is to be protected should be a heart that is not condemning the believer. It is an awful condition to have sin in the life while we are trying to carry on the battle. We can never win it that way, my friend. We are told, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shoes are necessary for standing, my friend. They speak of the 
foundation. We need a good, solid foundation, and preparation is foundational, my friend. Are your feet anchored on the rock? Christ is your foundation in this world. No other foundation can any man lay but the one that is laid, Jesus Christ. We are to put on Christ. Oh, how we need him today as we face a gainsaying world and also spiritual wickedness in the darkness of this world. Here is Ephesians 6, verse 16 to verse 18. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. You see here the armor of the believer is a spiritual armor because we fight against a spiritual enemy. We are to stand in that armor, and that armor is Christ, the living Christ. Satan himself, in the book of Job, describes how God protects his own people. He said, Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? Job 1 verse 10. See, God has provided, Provided protection for us today in the armor that he supplies. Above all, taking the shield of faith. The shield of faith. The shield here covered all of the armor. The shield referred to is a large shield the size of a door. It was the shield of the heavy infantry. A soldier stood behind it and was fully protected. Christ is both the door to salvation and the door that protects the believer from the enemy without. This is the picture in John 10 where Christ is both salvation and security. Now faith enables us to enter the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. John 10 verse 9. You see, that is salvation. What about security? Faith places us squarely in his hands. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. John 10 verse 27 and 28. See here, faith enables us to lay hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith also enables us to stand behind that shield which will quench all the fairy darts of the wicked one. The fairy darts of the wicked one here were arrows covered with pitch or tar and set afire. They were then shot into the bodies of enemy soldiers. Faith in a Christian's life produces a shielding effect that effectively deflects and extinguishes Satan's flaming arrows. This is shooting them fast and furiously. The fairy dust of the wicked one come fast and furiously, and they are going to continue to come. The only thing that will bat them down is the shield of faith. It is like a big door. The hoplites, the heavily armed soldiers in the Greek infantry could move with these tremendous shields, 
but put out in front of them and stand protected shoulder to shoulder while the enemy shot everything they had at them. When the enemy was out of ammunition, they would move in, certain of victory. That is the way to stand against the fairy darts of the evil one, my friend. You are to take the helmet of salvation. And the helmet of salvation protects here. The helmet protects the head. And God does appeal to the mind of man. I recognize that he appeals to the heart. But God also appeals to the intellect. Throughout the scripture, God uses reason with man. Isaiah 1 verse 18, God says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, he has also reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Acts 24 verse 25. Paul reasoned with Felix. He appealed to the mind of the man as well as to his heart. And Romans 10 verse 17 tells us, So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is not a leap in the dark, my friend. God does not ask you to take a leap into the dark. In fact, God says, if it is a leap in the dark, don't take it. God wants you to leap into the light. God has a solid foundation for you, and how wonderful that is. Christ is the salvation of the sinner. He is the one to receive the glory in all of it. That plume on the top of the helmet is Christ. He has been made to us salvation. Matthew 1 verse 21, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Even before his birth in Bethlehem, he was marked out as our Savior. Paul mentioned this helmet in connection with salvation again in another of his epistles. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 8, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. All the parts of the armor mentioned so far have been for defense. Have you noticed that? Everything is for the front of the individual. There is no protection for his back. Nothing is provided for retreat. In learning about African history, I learned that King Chaka of South Africa in the years gone by would require death for any of his soldiers who would return from war with back injuries and reward those with front injuries. Believe me, my friend, a retreating Christian is certainly open season for the enemy. The enemy can get through to him. God does not provide for retreating soldiers. Now we have the weapons of offense. The first one is the word of God called the sword of the spirit. Hebrews 4 verse 12 tells us, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents 
of the heart. You see, Christ is the living word of God. He used the word of God to meet Satan in his hour of temptation. Out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword in the battle of Armageddon, recorded in Revelation 1, verse 16, Revelation 19, verse 21. You see, he gains the victory with that sword. What is it? It is the word of God. We need that sharp sword going out of our mouths today. The word of God is a powerful weapon of offense. You and I are to use it. And our second weapon of offense is prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit is not turning in a grocery list to God. No, it means that you and I recognize our enemy that we lay hold of God for spiritual resources. We lay hold of God for that which is spiritual, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul here distinguishes between prayer and supplication. Prayer is general. Supplication is specific. All effective prayer must be in the spirit of Jesus Christ, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. That is an admonition to take heed of, my friend. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.